Please turn with me in your Bibles now to 2 Peter chapter 1. It's good to be with you all this morning, and I bring greetings to you from the saints, your brothers and sisters, down in Tri-Lakes Reformed Church. In the future, if you hear Black Forest Reformed Church, please know that's the same congregation. We've submitted paperwork to have our name changed, and we're waiting on the IRS. We were told we don't know how long we will wait on the IRS, so someday we'll have a new name, and we'll let you know when that occurs. This morning, our sermon text is Second Peter chapter 1, verses 12 through 15, and we're going to be considering the place of the regular reminding of God's word in our lives as God's people. I'm going to begin the reading all the way back at verse 3, however, because uh, these words that we'll consider this morning are found in a context, and Peter has made the regular reminding of God's people with God's word his top priority because of all that he has just unpacked there in verses 3 through 11. And so I'm going to read those first so that we might have those glorious glorious truths before us before we then hear about the priority that we should have regarding the regular reminding that comes to us from God's word. So again, I'll begin our reading all the way back at verse 3. We'll read all the way then through verse 15, and we'll focus our time together this morning on verses 12 through 15. Let us remember again that this is the living and active Word of God. Second Peter chapter 1, beginning at verse 3. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Through the knowledge of Him who called us to His own glory and excellence, by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, and virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election, for if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. For in this way there will be richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Therefore, I intend always to remind you of these qualities, though you know them and are established in the truth that you have. I think it right, as long as I am in this body, to stir you up by way of reminder, since I know that the putting off of my body will be soon, as our Lord Jesus Christ made clear to me. And I will make every effort, so that after my departure you may be able at any time to recall these things. Amen. Here ends the reading of God's holy word. Please bow with me briefly for prayer. Our gracious God in heaven, we thank you for the gift of your holy word. And even as we have just read 
in your word about the significance of your word and its role in our lives. We pray that as we attend now to this word that you would bless it. Lord, we pray that you would bless the preaching and hearing of your word to your glory and to our good. As we pray all this now in the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. Well, a few weeks ago I read the story of a man who could well be called the absent-minded professor. This man regularly forgot the most routine things. He would forget his keys, his wallet. Sometimes he would forget to put his socks on and so forth. It's very likely that if it weren't for his loving, persistent, and very patient wife, he would have long ago lost his job at the university. Well, one morning he came down for breakfast and his wife said to him, very patiently, Dear, I want you to remember that today is moving day. Today is moving day and while you're at work, the movers will come. They will move all of these boxes to our new home only a few blocks from here. Please don't forget. Well, he tried to reassure her that she had nothing to, for, or nothing to worry about. They had been planning for this move for months. He had signed all the paperwork involved, and he could see all of the boxes packed around the house. How could he forget? She smiled at him again and said, Dear, please don't forget. When you leave campus today, don't drive here. Instead, drive to our new home. Well, he promised that he would not forget, and he took his briefcase, he took his lunchbox, and he headed off to campus. In that briefcase and in that lunchbox, his wife had added notes to those to say, don't come home today, go to the new house. She even called him early in the afternoon to remind him, but it was all in vain. Because true to form, when 5 o'clock came and he left campus, he drove straight to the old house. He absentmindedly forgot the one thing that he needed to remember that day. He put his key in the lock. It still worked. He went into the house. He saw that everything was gone, and he immediately began to panic. Either something had happened to his family or some other form of foul play was afoot. He searched the house. Nothing was there. Finally, he remembered today was moving day. But then a new form of panic set in because he couldn't remember where the new house was. So he ran outside and he saw a boy riding his bike down the street past the house and he stopped that young man and he said, young man, do you know the family that used to live in this house? Do you know where they have moved to? That boy looked up at this man with a bit of frustration on his face. He said, dad, <laughs> mom said you'd forget. So follow me. Now this is a cute story about forgetfulness. And it is a story that I think if we reflect upon our own lives, we will all say to, to one degree or another we can relate to. Sadly and more seriously, our memories are actually one of those things that show us the way of sin in our lives. Our memories are one of those things that show us regularly the fall and its impact upon our lives. Consider your own life. Because of sin, you and I remember the things that we would most like to forget. And conversely, because of sin, you and I forget very often the very things that we would most like to remember. 
Well, that is why the Holy Spirit has provided us with this text about a regular reminding. You see, just like the absent-minded professor, you and I, we need the regular reminding that God here gives us in his word. I want you to think back over your life over the last number of weeks. And I want you to consider right now, in just a brief few moments, what is it that you more regularly remember? What is it that you regularly reflect upon? Do you more regularly remember your sin? Or do you more regularly remember your Savior? Do you more regularly remember your past failures? Or do you more regularly remember your Heavenly Father? Do you more regularly reflect upon your sinful past? Or do you more regularly remember the promised sinless future that awaits you? Which of these things do you more regularly remember? Well, this morning we are going to consider from God's Word four aspects regarding this God-given regular Reminding. There's a bulletin, uh, an outline there for you in the bulletin if you'd like to follow along. So let's begin this morning with the first consideration. Let's consider together the reasons for reminding. The reasons for reminding. Peter begins here by telling us why it is that we need this regular reminding. And here in verse 12, he gives us actually two reasons. The first of these is found there in the opening word of the text. Therefore... Therefore, with that one word, Peter is saying, because of everything that I have just written to you about in verses 3 through 11, you need a regular reminder. Or in other words, the first reason for regular reminding is that the content demands it. The content found in verses 3 through 11 demands our regular reminding. Why is that? Well, let's look back over the text and consider why that is. What was found there in verses 3 through 11? Well, if your Bible's still open before you, look at verses 3 and 4. There Peter unpacks the foundation for our faith. Just consider the mind-blowing and life-changing realities that are found there. Peter says, Remember, God's divine power has truly granted to you all that you need for life and godliness. He says you need to also remember that we have been given God's precious and very great promises. We need to further remember that we have become partakers of the divine nature. And finally, he says, don't forget, but rather remember that you have actually escaped the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. Each of those things alone would be well worth our remembering, but how much more the whole of them. The contents God's Word demands our regular remembering. But that's only two of those verses. There's more here. Remember then the exhortation that's found in verses 5 through 7. There Peter unpacks for us God's revealed will for our lives. He enumerates their seven graces. And in those seven graces, Peter paints a beautiful picture of what awaits us in the Christian life. He sets before our eyes this vivid portrait of Jesus Christ so that we might long more and more for his ongoing work of sanctification within us. Once again, thinking upon those seven graces, we might say each of those is well worth remembering. So how much more the whole of them? The content, again, demands our remembering. And yet there is still more. 
Look at the promises found there in verses 8 through 11. Remember these great and precious promises. Here Peter only unpacks a few of the very great and precious promises that are ours in Jesus Christ. Peter says, remember, whoever is growing in these graces will be kept by them from being or ineffective and unfruitful in the Christian life. He says, second, remember that growing in these graces is also a means by which God will protect you from growing nearsighted or even worse, blind in the Christian life. He says, third, remember that practicing these qualities will come with the assurance that you will never fall away. And finally, he says, remember that living in this way comes with the promise that it is in this way that there will be richly provided for you an entrance into Christ's eternal kingdom. Once again, the pattern is the same. Each of those promises is well worth remembering. So how much more the whole of them? The content that Peter has unpacked in this opening chapter is well worth our remembering. The foundation of our faith, that exhortation to grow in Christ's likeness, and then those motivating promises provided are well worth remembering. That's the first reason for this regular reminding. The content demands it. But there's a second reason given to us there in verse 12. Not only does uh, the content demand it, but what Peter also says here is that our condition requires it. Our condition as Christians still requires regular reminding. Look at verse 12, if your Bible is still open. Peter writes, Therefore I intend always to remind you of these qualities, and then he says, though you know them and are established in the truth that you have. With these words, God's word teaches us that we need regular reminding because of our current condition. Our condition requires it. Peter says he intends always to remind us as God's people of these things, notice, even though we already know them, and even though we are already established in the truth of them. And so obviously, this means that you and I, no matter how much we know, we still need to be regularly stirred up by these reminders of the truths of God's Word. Think back upon Israel and their history in the wilderness. Forgetfulness was a very common theme for God's people in their pilgrim journey. In fact, when we open the book of Exodus, we might think about how what we begin reading about there is a people who had forgotten about God despite the fact that God had not forgotten about them. Later on, we might think about how Moses is meeting with God on top of Mount Sinai, and what happens to Israel then? They forget about God. Later on, we might see that as they're wandering through the wilderness, their grumbling and complaining reveals that they had forgotten about all of the things that God had done for them. They forgot about those plagues that God used to bring about their deliverance. They forgot about the way, in the, way, the way in which the Red Sea had parted for their salvation and for Egypt's destruction. They forgot about how God had led them each day by that cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night. And they forgot about how God had even provided for them miraculously each day. I think it's common that when we read about these things, we reflect and we ask questions like, how can you ever forget 
these most amazing things? How can you forget miraculous deliverance? How can you forget such an astonishing salvation? How can you forget daily grace and mercies that are new every day? But then as we ask those questions, we realize we are the same as they. We have a fuller revelation of all that God has done for us in Jesus Christ, and yet we still forget. The content of the gospel demands our regular reminding, but so too does our current condition. Because we still live in these bodies of death, we are prone to forget. Think about your life in this world. Think about what it is that occupies your attention most. What is it that you regularly remember? Are you more prone to remember who you are in Jesus Christ? Are you more prone to remember all that God has done for you, all that God will do for you, all that He is now doing for you? Or do you find that your attention falls from those heights to other things? Every remembering that we ever encounter rescues us in a way by setting before us again the whole of reality. Too often we, like Israel, forget what God has done for us and we unintentionally begin to consider our lives again only through that narrow lens of what is right in front of us. Well, these are the God-given reasons for this regular reminding, so let's go on now to consider the rate of reminding. The rate of reminding. What is the rate that Peter here recommends for this reminding? Well, he employs three different qualifiers to describe the reminding that he is now committing his life to. The first is found there in verse 12. He says, therefore, I intend always to remind you. The second is found in verse 13. I think it right, so long as I am in this body, to stir you up by way of reminder. And then the third is found there in verse 15. And he says, and I will make every effort so that after my departure, you may be able at any time to recall these things. When I hear those words, one other word comes to mind, and that is the word constantly. What is the rate that Peter recommends for our regular reminding? Well, he says, you and I, we need this regular reminding constantly. We need it constantly. Consider now why. Why is Peter so convinced at this point in his life that he needs to dedicate his last week's hours and days to the regular reminding of God's people. We get the answer to that question found there in verse 14. There Peter tells us that Jesus has revealed to him that his departure will now be soon. Peter knows that he is going to die, that he is going to finish his race, and it is that reality that provides Peter with great clarity knowing that his life will soon be over and knowing that he is about to enter his eternal rest brings a clarity to how he should spend the rest of his days. It is in light of eternity that he can see just how good the good news of Jesus Christ is. It's in thinking upon the way in which he has been delivered from an eternity in hell and how he has been 
granted this eternity in heaven to enjoy God in perfection forever, that that is all, putting those two things together is what makes him dedicate his final weeks, days, and hours to declaring this good news of Jesus Christ. Similarly, it's from this vantage point that Peter can see just how horrific it is for God's people to neglect the good news of Jesus Christ. It says he pervades all of life through the lens of God's Word and living in light of eternity that he can see just the costliness that comes to a life that is not lived in light of the Gospel of Jesus Christ. It's from this vantage point that Peter can see just how costly it is to forget about the good news of Jesus Christ. might put it this way, if we could only see today in light of eternity. If we could only consider each and every one of us our own present circumstances in light of who God is, in light of what He has done for us, in light of His suffering in our stead, in light of what we deserve, and in light of what we receive instead, if we could only remember these things, it would truly change life today. So we need this regular reminding And we need this regular reminding constantly, so let's go on third to consider the role of this regular reminding. What is the role of reminding? Seeing our need for reminding and seeing it even more clearly in Peter's prescription for it constantly brings us to consider now what the purpose is of this reminding. What is the goal behind Peter's now prioritizing of this regular reminding. Well, the answer is found there for you in verse 13. Peter writes, I think it right, as long as I am in this body, to stir you up by way of reminder. There's the answer. What is the role of regular reminding? It is to stir us up. So what does this mean? Well, it means at least a few things. First of all, this means that God wants you and I, He wants our lives to be unsettled in the best sense of the word. In some ways, or in some areas, it is a very good thing to be settled. For example, it is a very good thing to have a settled conviction about who Jesus Christ is. It's a very good thing to be settled regarding God's will for your life. It's a very good thing to be settled regarding your understanding of the role that God's word should play in your life. It's a very good thing to be settled about these things. But as this passage makes clear, there is another sense in which it is not good, in which God does not want us to be settled in the slightest bit. Settling in this sense is not good, and so the Holy Spirit has now made it Peter's priority to stir us up as God's people. So what does it mean to be stirred up? Well, some synonyms are to wake up, to provoke, or to excite This is what God's Word has appointed His Word and His truth for in our lives. God does not want you and I, He doesn't want us as His people to be asleep, to be settled, to be bored, or to be indifferent when it comes to who He is and to what He has done in our lives. He wants you and I to leave here today stirred up. I want you to think about a common experience that likely you and I have all had at one point or another in our lives. What happened to you the first time you saw something like the ocean, 
the Grand Canyon, or perhaps you climbed one of our 14ers and you considered the vast array of beauty before you. What happened to you when you saw these remarkable realities? Well, very likely you cannot experience any of those things without being stirred up by them. You know that there is something about these magnificent natural realities that caused your own heart to overflow with excitement, with joy, with praise, and with wonder. Those things stirred you up. Brothers and sisters, God's word wants you to be so stirred up by the truths of the gospel that you, in a way, live as much as possible in a state of wonder. Consider again those earthly realities, the ocean, the Grand, Count, the Grand Canyon, or even massive mountains. All of these things have the power to stir us up to wonder and to praise. But then to compare each of these natural wonders to the truths of the gospel would be like comparing a candle to the sun. Because there is no comparison. If these earthly realities are enough to stir us up to excitement and wonder how much more should the truths of the gospel, how much more should the reality that you and I have been loved by God from all eternity, how much more this reality that God himself entered into time and into space in order to take to himself our flesh and then to stand in our place and to endure God's wrath for us. How much more this reality that heaven is our home and that everything that we suffer in this life, if we could compile it all together, once we get into eternity, we are going to be able to say that in comparison, all of those horrific things were light and momentary with the eternal weight of glory. Brothers and sisters, God's word wants you and me to be stirred up by the truth of his word because this is the only appropriate response to the glory of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now we can answer this question more specifically if we'll consider the context. What does it mean to be stirred up by way of reminder? Again, if your Bible is open there in front of you, look down at the text again. What does it mean to be stirred up by way of reminder? Well, Looking again at verses 3 through 11, it means, first of all, standing upon the truth of the gospel. Verses 3 and 4. It means living your life week to week with the understanding that God's divine power has granted to you all that you need for life and godliness. It means living day to day with the understanding that you lack nothing, but that in Christ you have everything. It also means, going on to verses 5 through 7, that you and I strive after God's revealed will for our lives. It's that we see this portrait of Christ's likeness given to us in verses 5 through 7, and we believe the reality that we can actually grow in godliness, that we can actually glorify God with our lives in this world. And then finally, looking on to verses 8 through 11, it means living in light of these precious and very great promises. It's taking these four promises given to us in those verses into our hearts, not letting them leave our minds so that we will have daily motivation to live before God. Brothers and sisters, this is God's will for our lives, and this is why God has so positioned preaching in our lives. By God's good and gracious design, we are never to go more than seven days without coming together 
to be stirred up by the truth of God's word. This, is also, this also aids us in our understanding of just one of the many aspects of preaching. One of the purposes that God has assigned to preaching is that we would be regularly stirred up. Preaching is meant to provoke us in the best sense of the word. But once again, considering what Peter has written here, we can see that the clarity that he has here springs from the fact that he stands on the precipice of eternity. He is standing right now at the end of his days, and from that vantage point he can see all of life with a clarity that you and I can only imagine. And so we need to borrow from what Peter has at this point in his life. He sees what we need most, and he sees that this now needs to become his top priority without exception. He says that we as God's people need to be stirred up to live in light of eternity. Peter, in this way, is only parroting our Savior. Consider Jesus' words to us from the Gospels. He says, But concerning that day or that hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. So, be on guard, keep awake, for you do not know when He will come. It is like a man going on a journey when he leaves home and puts his servants in charge, each with his work, and commands the doorkeeper to stay awake. Therefore, stay awake, for you do not know when the master of the house will come, in the evening or at midnight, or when the rooster crows or in the morning, lest he come suddenly and find you asleep. And what I say to you all, I, and what I say to you, I say to all, stay awake. Brothers and sisters, this is the purpose of God's Word in our lives. It is to stir us up weekly as we hear it preached and daily as we read it. So let us learn together to prioritize, to prize, and to protect the preaching and reading of God's Word in our lives. It needs to be central. It needs to be first, and it needs to be our focus. Let's consider finally the reward a reminding. Peter doesn't leave us here in this passage without again motivating us by the reward given to us or extended to us if we will prioritize this regular reminding. What is the reward of this reminding? Well, listen again to verse 15. Peter writes, And I will make every effort so that after my departure you may be able at any time to recall these things. The reward for regular reminding is that we might remember. Remembering is itself the reward. Why? When I was younger, when I was quite little, my grandfather was diagnosed with Alzheimer's disease. I had never heard those two words until my parents came home one day and told us about this devastating diagnosis. And I remember myself with my brothers and my sister being gripped with fear about what it could be like to lose one's memory. Who are you, after all, if you can't remember? Who are you if everything that you have ever known slips from your grip? I remember thinking with great fear about what it would be like for my grandfather to slowly forget my grandmother. How do you forget the one you've spent your life with? 
I remember thinking with great fear of what it would be like over time as my grandfather would forget each of his own children, as he would lose touch with reality and forget who he really was and no longer live in light of the fact that he was surrounded by family. On and on my mind would wonder, who are you if you forget reality? Who are you if you lose touch with reality? Well, I remember the way in which my family then walked that long road alongside my grandpa. Slowly, over time, more and more with each day, he forgot who he was. The progress of that disease was devastating as we watched our grandfather lose his ability to remember. And every time we saw him, the only thing that any of us ever wanted to do for him was to help him, even if for just a moment, to remember if only we could help him remember who he really was. Brothers and sisters, you and I struggle with a spiritual form of Alzheimer's disease. Because we still live in these bodies of death, we have a similar disease that makes it our aim, its aim that we might not remember. But we see that God, by his word and his spirit, and by our union with Christ has made it such that we, won't, that we won't actually ever truly forget. And we see that God's word has prescribed this regular reminding so that we might remember. We live in a world that is set up to help us forget. The world wants your attention only on the here and now. Your own flesh has this sinful, natural longing to be caught up with what you can see and touch. And the devil most of all wants you to forget who God is and what he has done for you as his people. And so in light of this, we can see, again, the gift that is the regular reminding of God's word so that we might not forget who we are, so that we might not forget all that God has done for us in Jesus Christ, but that we might remember we might remember that God is good and gracious. That we might remember that His promises are sure. That He has forgiven us our sins and provided us with a perfect Savior in Jesus Christ. That we have been united to Jesus Christ and have become partakers of His divine nature. That we are destined for heaven and that despite all that we experience in this life, one day all of the affliction that we ever experience here will be far outweighed by the eternal weight of glory that is being prepared for us. Brothers and sisters, remember, for that is the reward. Remember who you are in Jesus Christ. Remember all that God has done for you, is doing for you, and will do for you. Today actually is a gift so that you might remember Consider Christ's words as they're found in Revelation chapter 2. There Jesus addresses the church in Ephesus. He begins by saying, Here are the good things I see in you, but there's one thing that I need to put back in place. Jesus says, I know your works, your toil and your patient endurance, and how you cannot bear with those who are evil, but have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not and found them to be false. I know that you are enduring patiently and bearing up for my name's sake, and you have not grown weary. But I have this against you, that you have abandoned the love you had at first. So remember. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen. Repent 
and do the works you did at first. Brothers and sisters, the reward of this regular reminding is so that we might remember. So that every time we come back to the truths of God's word, we might repent afresh and return. Remembering who we are in Jesus Christ so that we might be stirred up to live with wonder. All of this reminds me of an old hymn that says, Tell me the old, old story of unseen things above, of Jesus and his glory, of Jesus and his love. Tell me the story slowly that I may take it in, that wonderful redemption, God's remedy for sin. Tell me the story often, for I forget so soon. The early dew of morning has passed away at noon. Tell me the same old story. When you have cause to fear that this world's empty glory is costing me too dear. Yes, and when this world's glory is dawning on my soul, tell me the old, old story. Christ Jesus makes me whole. Brothers and sisters, let us remember today. Let us give thanks for the regular reminding of God's word. Let us learn to prioritize it, to protect it, and to pursue it so that you and I might always live lives in which we remember. And we might be guarded by this means that God has given us from that spiritual form of Alzheimer's disease so that we might be stirred up and live to the praise and the glory of our great God. Let's pray together. Our gracious God in heaven, we thank you for the regular reminding of your word. And Lord God, we pray that you would give to us faith so that we might take the truths of your word and hide them deep within our hearts. Lord God, we pray that you would train us as your people to know how it is that we might remember. Lord, you know our frame You know how as we continue to battle against our three enemies in the world, the flesh and the devil, how the deck is stacked against us, as it were, in terms of our tendency to forget. We thank you for the provision of your word and your spirit so that we might remember, and we pray that more and more these means might be used by you so that we might remember. Lord, help us not to forget who we are in Jesus Christ, but rather to be stirred up by the truth of your word so that we might live to your praise, to your honor, and to your glory. And so we pray that you would do this for your name's sake, as we pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen.